When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bells here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. On today's show, got a little bit of news to get to. There's been some offers, a good amount of offers going out for Wisconsin basketball in both the 2022 class and the 2024 class. We'll talk about that. Um, we've got some other news. Wisconsin picked up a commitment uh, from a kicker, so we got that to talk about. We've got some other news and notes, and then we'll go through the injury report from the opening practice because there are some names on there that we'll certainly want to get into and then in the back half of the show, we'll go through we're going to go through our questions that we have for fall camp, and we're going to start today with the offense, go position by position, to kind of talk about what questions we hope we that we have, and we hope that we'll get answered in this fall practice season. Now that that is opened back up, talk a little bit about you know some some position battles, things like that that will hopefully get ironed out here now that practice is officially underway. Exciting times that we're talking about real live football. We're seeing videos. We're seeing clips. It's nice to be finally seeing the guys back out there for sure. So I can't wait to get into some of that. Matt, how are you today? I'm doing great, man. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Excited to get into um, all of these topics because we've got a lot to get to on both the basketball and the football side. So why don't we get right into the news portion of it. Uh, Like I mentioned at the top, Wisconsin basketball threw up multiple offers in the 2024 class and the 2022 group. Um, two guys in Connor Sedgen out of a three-star guard out of Albion, Indiana, and then shooting guard Josh Dix, 2022 three guard out of Council Bluffs, Iowa. Maybe we'll start with those two and then talk about the 2024 guys. Um, what did you take away from those two offers? Because I know specifically with Josh Dix, I mean, uh, I think he's a kid that Wisconsin could really benefit from landing. Um, uh, yeah, I know Drew, who wrote up the article, kind of compared him to a Joe Wies camp, maybe a little bit smaller guy that can shoot from anywhere, which is certainly Wisconsin basketball. They've been recruiting a lot of bigs, but the guard hasn't really taken off quite yet, and and certainly both of these guys in the 2022 group would fit that mold. So what do you make of both of those offers that went out? I really like both of those offers. I think both players are, I mean, they look similar to one another. I think Dix might have a little bit higher upside in terms of of skill level, but I think both of them, they're both three-star shooting guards, both around that six-foot 480 pound range. Uh, you look at offer lists, fairly similar, but they're both walking around with Wake Forest um, offers. Um, you're looking at teams like um, Creighton, some other Midwestern schools, Butler, um, sniffing around with both players. I, I like both of them and what they can bring. I think right now well, the Badgers are going ahead and being aggressive, which I like to see. Um, you saw them being very selective in this 2022 group with throwing out offers for a long time. And, and now you see you know, knowing that, hey, 
Rowan Brumbau, probably going to be a tougher competition to bring him in. You can't sit and wait. Um, so I like that they threw out offers to, to Dix as well as the Sejian. Um, both solid shooters. They're both um, guys who are their primary aspect of their game right now is their shooting ability. Um, that doesn't mean they can't take the ball off the dribble. That doesn't mean they can't do some other things. Um, they have solid mid-range games. But um, both guys can elevate, can jump. But, but really, these are, these are a pair of um, – you know, snipers from deep that they're hoping to bring in one of them. Um, I, I just think um, class-wise, you, you probably don't have the numbers to bring in more than one of them. I think Dix is going to be hard to get away from Iowa. That uh, that homeschool um, draw is going to be tough to beat. He's got an official visit coming up in September. But I, I do think that um, things could escalate quickly with Connor Essegian if, if things um, go according to plan and if he comes for an official visit in the fall. Yeah, I think when you look at the way recruitment is laid out right now for Wisconsin basketball, taking on either of these guys, if you could make it happen, would be a, a welcome sight. Like I mentioned earlier, you know they've they've done a real big focus on on landing some of these bigs, which of course Wisconsin does really well with. But eventually, you need some guys that can do a little bit different things, and and the, the shooting ability of both of these guys is certainly something I think Wisconsin basketball is looking for. I mean, that's clearly that you can see with the two offers. Similar players that can knock down shots, that's that's likely what they're looking for in, in these couple of offers. And to be able to land one of them, I, I think, would be huge for this class of 2022. Yeah, for sure. All right, we'll now move into the 2024 guys. Con Knepel, a wing out of Wisconsin Lutheran High School. I hope I said that right. And then Cooper Cock, a win, uh, wing out of Peoria, Illinois. Obviously, two, 2024 guys, so a little bit further out. Um, both guys... I think Knepel, a little bit more upside out of Wisconsin Lutheran High School, kind of that small forward, um, listed on his 247 at 6'4", So an interesting prospect, and, and like I said, still quite a ways away in the recruitment, but he's got offers from Iowa, Marquette, and Wisconsin, and the list will certainly grow as he gets moving forward. But what do you make of these couple offers in the 2024 group? Yeah, I, I think these are offers that you got to make. They're, they're young kids, right? Like 2024 is a ways out um, at this point. But at the same time, you, you're looking at, especially in Kennepel, a kid who's inside the state, um, Wisconsin Lutheran, uh, already had offers from Iowa and Marquette. Um, and so you know that this is going to be a battle to, to try to keep him inside the state, whether that be at Marquette or Wisconsin. Um, and, and I think that Wisconsin's in a good spot with, with, with him. Hopefully they can – continue to trend um, in a positive way for him. Um, I think he's a, a really talented player that is, is bound to grow, bound to continue to improve. I mean, like I said, 2024 is, is a ways away right now. Um, and then you look at um, Cook. He, he's a kid a little bit taller already at 6'7", um, bound to probably add some height as well. Uh, but he, he's a, he's an Iowa legacy. Dad played there. We'll see if, if they can um, – can use Dean Oliver's uh, um, former ties with the Hawkeyes to help them out here. But I do think that one's going to be a little bit tougher um, for the Badgers. But but I do think these are offers you have to put out because they're both high major kids um, and have already displayed that even though it's a ways before they're going to make any sort of decision. Yeah, I, I think Wisconsin, you know, basketball recruiting is, is important there where you only have so many spots or so some of these situations when you know a, a list is going to grow doesn't hurt to get in there earlier and, and make your sales pitch, so to speak, and then uh, hopefully carry that relationship on over the next, you know, 2024, you're talking a couple of years still. Uh, but it, I, I think it does pay dividends to to get, uh, we've seen it in football a lot, you know, Wisconsin was the first offer, and then all of a sudden this offer list ballooned, and, and Wisconsin was in a good spot 
uh, to stay in that competition. So you have to imagine that's what Greg Gard and the staff is, is looking for here with this 2024 group. All right, we'll move on down the line. In terms of news, Wisconsin picked up commitment from preferred walk-on kicker Gavin Lamb out of the 2022 group out of Kalkana High School. You talk about special teams. It's something that Wisconsin has really needed to improve these last couple years, especially. It's been a little bit of a struggle. So you're looking at uh, guys that uh, you can want to take on anybody you think will be able to put the, put the kick through the uprights. And, and he's certainly got the look that he will be able to develop into something that could be a consistent kicker uh, for the Badgers moving forward. And it's always good. I know. Sometimes the debate is over that prefer, you know, that walk-on scholarship kicker versus, you know, walk-on kicker versus a scholarship kicker. Um, you hope that sometimes you can you get this position to pan out because it is so important. But what do you make of that commitment for the Badgers and, and the kicking position moving forward? Yeah, I love that the pickup for the Badgers. Um, he was a guy who who went ahead and won both field goal kicking competitions at UW's specialist camp. Um, he, he hit a 50-yarder, uh, has a really strong leg. That in-state draw and the wants you to play for uh, Wisconsin and the Badgers is, is great. So um, I think this is one of those things where Wisconsin needs to continue to accumulate specialists, especially given the fact that they've been reluctant to hand out scholarships for these guys coming out of high school. Mm-hmm. You've got to you know, kind of spray and pray and hope that you can get, get somebody who turns out to be a really talented kicker. Um, All-state kid, so I, I think there there's talent there. It's just a matter of we'll see how it goes once he gets on campus. But as of right now, I think this is a really good get, um, especially when you have Colin Larch probably done after this year with the Badgers. Yeah, it, it, I, it's one of those, like you mentioned, you hope that it works out. Uh, I know I'm sure college football coaches across the country, you know, scholarship numbers are tight. Sometimes you, you put offers out for kickers, and Wisconsin generally likes to land these walk-on guys that can make that. Um, situation happen without using up one of those numbers. So it's always a frivolous debate where if it works out and you're not tying up a scholarship, you're in a really good spot. If it doesn't work out, you you, you know, you know, but um, but you, you can see the negative a little bit. But I think, you know, in Gavin Lamb's position, he, he's a kid that I like that Wisconsin saw him at the camps and, and saw that he was making kicks consistently. You know, it's not just high school tape, anything like that. So we, we've seen Wisconsin, they do their homework, and, and he land, they land a guy like him, and hopefully uh, it pans out and works out for the best in that regard. For sure. All right, next on the news portion, we had um, three Badgers listed to Bruce Feldman of the Athletics' annual freak list, was a, which, if you haven't read it before, um, it essentially talks about players that physically or mentally are just absolute freaks in the co- sport of college football. Leo Chanel, Matt Henningsen, and Andy Vujnovich made that. Um, Henningsen, of course, you know he got the he's got the brains and the brawn. Uh, Vujovic is for a punter is is probably one of the more athletic guys, pound for pound on the team. And then Leo Chanel, do you really need to say more about either of those guys? And I I would be surprised if next year a guy like Braylon Allen isn't on this list. But what do you think of of those two in that annual freaks list? Because if you have the athletic and you you read it, it's always uh it's always a fun article to read through. Yeah, it is. It's one of those things where you can kind of learn some some. Fun details about some of the players across college football. I I was shocked Braylon Allen didn't make the list, mm-hmm. and that might have been just an oversight, to be perfectly honest. But um, Leo Chanel obviously just can move mountains. He's so strong. Matt Henningsen, maybe the smartest guy on the team or ever. Uh, and then Andy Bujnovich, I think that was the funniest one to, to make the mm-hmm. list. Just you've got like a six foot four, 230 pound punter who is just jacked. 
Um, it made me laugh because when the entire team was doing their go puff thing and when we were talking about NIL, his picture that he sent mm-hmm. out was of him getting um, protein powder. <laughs> it was just like, <laughs> so he is a guy that can throw around some serious weight. He's a really good punter as well. I think he's going to have a good season this year. But but I definitely think that Henningston, another guy who's outrageously strong, and Chanel are very deserving as well. Yeah, I think but all three of those guys are, are props to them for making that list. You talk about preseason watch list and anything like that. This is a pretty cool list to make because it means you're clearly excelling, whether it be physically, mentally, or a combi- combination of either one. So good for each of those three for making that list. And uh, I always look forward to, to seeing that, and we'll look forward to hopefully Braylon Allen getting added to that uh, this time next year. All right, we'll talk about the injury report for the opening practice real quick. We had a couple of guys, a good amount of guys that missed practice just the first day. Tyler Beach, Travion Blaylock, C.J. Getz, Aaron Witt, Ayo Adabago, Adabagogun, Jake Cheney, Stephen Bracey, and then out for the year was, of course, a little bit of a surprise, Cole Dokovich and Duncan McKinley. So unfortunate news for those guys if you hadn't heard that already. Um some of these guys, just precaution, you know, you, you want to take it slow out of the gates. You don't want to have anybody push it before they're not ready. But anything stand out to you from the opening practice uh, injury report? I think one thing that's very positive about this is you have a backup long snapper and a, you know, probably fifth tight mm-hmm. end on the depth chart, sixth tight end of the depth chart that are out for the year, which, I mean, we've seen things a lot worse. Um, I know uh, the Titus Toller loss that we discussed last episode was probably pretty big. But I think that when, you know, all in all, that's not too shabby. Um, We've seen a lot worse coming out of uh, fall camp before or coming into fall camp, I should say. I think it's important to watch kind of Tyler Beach just because he's supposed to be your left tackle. I think that gives more room right now for a guy like Logan Brown. It gives some early reps maybe to a guy like Hayden Rucci. I mean, uh, yeah, uh, Nolan Rucci. But then – Travion Blaylock, the kid, I think given Toller's being gone, I think that's a big one. Hopefully he can get back soon. And then that entire outside linebacker group, CJ Getz, Aaron Witt, both talented players that are fighting for reps. Um, hopefully they can come back sooner rather than later because I think the Badgers need those guys to, to be in, in full go come that Penn State game. Yeah, and just to add to that uh, outside linebacker discussion, I believe it was Colton Bartholomew who tweeted out um, in one of the videos that um, Wisconsin football has been putting out in the new end zone cam that uh, Nick Herbig, outside linebacker, to add to that, had a cast on his left hand in one of those videos, some in-depth reporting from Colton Bartholomew. But clearly he's been out there and practicing in some regard. But that outside linebacker position, a position probably of a little bit of question right now when we talk about some of those guys, you want to make sure that these guys are getting reps and hopefully all three of them can, can get back to healthy and be in 100% when they're out there because I think that's a position of, of key. You know, we also talked about a guy like, you know, in last episode we talked about Isaiah Green-May. So I think there's a ton of competition um, at that outside linebacker room and, and one that can really take this defense to the next level if, um, if guys are out there and producing the way you think they can. Yeah, and, and I think, um, like you mentioned, like that was a great eye by Colton there. But I, I do think it's interesting that if you look at the way the cast is, um, you know, let's just get real deep into this. Uh, the way that the, his cast is is made is very similar to what we saw from Jake Ferguson mm-hmm. last year, where it looks like it's probably a thumb injury. Um, and, and if you remember back to 2019, that's what took Isaiah Green May out of practices. So I, I don't think that it can be too serious if they're still having him out there practice. 
Right now they don't have full pads on, so maybe you'll see him um, slow down that a little bit once they get back. But but hopefully it's just precautionary for now. I know that the Badgers um, do that frequently. They'll they'll wrap it just to make sure it's all all good, and hopefully it'll just heal on its own before uh, the fall season. As you say, wasn't wearing anything at media day, so hopefully it's just uh, precaution, taping up the thumbs, and and nothing to worry about it. Um, and, and he's out, or he's uh, out there and in practicing and getting reps as we move forward here. So yeah, all in all, injury report. Of course, tough situations for Cole, for Cole Dokovich and Duncan McKinley. But like you said, we've seen that uh, be a lot worse shape um, around this same time. You know, every year you're going to have injuries that pop up. But for right now, to only have two guys that are, of course, players, and you want them to be healthy, but not you know, key huge parts right now of this 2021 team. Uh, is certainly a positive that you can take from, uh, of course, some, ne- some negative news. All right, guys, we'll go ahead and get our ad reads out of the way, and then we'll get into our camp questions for the offense. We'll we'll talk about it. We'll go position by position, touch on what we are hoping to get answered in this fall practice. So stick with us through our ads, and we'll be back with you shortly. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to stay for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, time to get into some camp questions for the offensive side of the football. So like I mentioned um, in the front, and, and a little bit ago, we will talk about some positions and some questions that we are hoping to get answered um, for the offensive side of the football, and we'll go position by position here. We'll start with the quarterback room, because I think that one is, is certainly one of note. Um, you, of course, you've got Graham Mertz. I don't think there's any sort of question or QB battle or anything like that, but still, I think questions that you could have about what you're looking for in the quarterback room. So I'll let you go ahead and start. What do you, are, what are you maybe looking to have answered in the quarterback room? I think there's lots of questions that could pop up here, but but for me, I do think that Graham Mertz is probably we're going to probably see a closer towards that Illinois game from Graham Mertz than what we saw against like Indiana, Northwestern, Iowa. Um, so I'm going to focus on more about his development and specifically his ability to go through progressions and then signals. Um, you'll remember last year um, they talked a little bit about the fact that. The, the staff tried to kind of dumb things down for a little, him a little bit in, in terms of progressions, where it was, hey, if your first or second read isn't there, tuck it and run. Um, and, and I'm hoping that, especially if they have an offensive line that can give him time, that he's able to kind of hit that third, that fourth progression and work his way through a little bit more, um, being able to see the entire field and, and know where his guys are supposed to be. Last year, it, you know, it was a – trial by error um, for him, and, and really we saw a lot of good, we saw a lot of bad, and, and I think that him being able to go through his progressions, knowing the playbook um, in further detail will really help him out, um, not only in terms of knowing and where things are going to be happening, but it also makes it so you don't have to think so much, which allows you to still focus on making sure that your mechanics are going well, that your drops are going well. Um, those those subtle nuances that make such a huge difference, whether it be a play fake and whatnot. And then signals-wise, we, we were, we've talked about that before, him going over to the sidelines. And I think that wasn't necessarily a Graham Mertz issue. It was more of a, hey, we didn't change our signs from the year prior. 
um, issue, but I do think that having that knowledge and, and hopefully an understanding will, will make things more smooth in, in, in the delivery of, of the play calls and just the flow of the offense overall because when they did that, it made it so that everything was sped up. When he got back to the huddle, then you're, you're calling the play, you're getting up to the line, you don't have as much time to have as many um, intricate motions, which we know Wisconsin relies upon so heavily for deception. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a huge thing that will need to be cleaned up. I mean, you're, you're talking about you know some high school programs don't even still have to do that anymore. So you really don't want your you know Division One collegiate quarterback to have me run into the sidelines to get the play call because, like you mentioned, it just it creates a, a negative aspect where he's going to have to you know run back, give the play, try and read the defense, and also you know execute that play in a positive manner. So those things have a lot bigger effect than I think some people realize for sure. Um, I'm in a similar boat with you in terms of questions, and maybe it's – I think it is something that we'll have somewhat of an answer to um, in in terms of development and and maturation that way. Um, But I also think it will be something that that will be what we'll see – you know, that's something that may have to be answered in in terms of the season, you know, season opener, what we see from Graham Mertz, which version, uh, of course. I think if we were able to go to practice and see – I think you'll definitely see steps of him, you know, maturating and, and being a better quarterback. But I think also some of that will be um, once the lights are on in front of the fans, you know, just how how that maturation has moved forward. Because I like that you mentioned the reads. I think like you, uh, I believe it was Bill Connolly put out a lot in Wisconsin. They were looking for one, first or second read, and if not, you know, get out of the pocket, try and scramble, make something happen. So. For him to develop and pick up those other reads, just where he's at in that maturation is is something that I'll be watching for as well. And I mean, I think that's the big question for the starter. Beyond that, you know, who's going to be the backup? Things like that is, is maybe there's a little bit of a battle there. But I think the most part is which version and and how much which version of Graham Mertz you're going to have and and how much he moves forward in his development is going to be um, the thing that most people will probably have their eye on. Yeah, I think I think the earlier returns on Deacon Hill are going to be fascinating to watch in fall camp as well. You don't get as much time uh, as fall camp moves moves along, but but can he compete for maybe the third job? Does does he push a guy like Danny Vandermoom? As I think is kind of more of a you know an, a, a lesser important thing right now, but definitely something to keep an eye on as well. And one of the questions I have. All right, we'll move into the running back room now. Of course, uh, a lot of names in this room that will be competing for a lot of carries. Um, I think when you, if you listen to the audio from last episode, there was parts of it that you could hear, and then I don't believe this part was in there, but Gary Brown kind of talked about um, the running back by committee or, or having you know that, that number one guy that he's kind of looking for right now. So I'll leave this one off. I think the question for me is, is which guy is, is going to be – your go-to guy, not necessarily your your number one guy, but I think to the situations where it's 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 third and four, and, and you're driving, and you need this big pickup uh, to move the change and keep the offense moving. Is it Jalen Berger? I think it will be. I mean, a guy that last year, uh, of course, you know, averaged almost you know a ton of yards per carry, looked really good, but as as Gary Brown kind of mentioned, still not a ton of carries from him. So you hope that it continues in that way, but. The more he touches the ball, the more defense is key on him. He's certainly going to have a little bit more of a test throughout a full Big Ten season. So I, I think there's a lot of questions in the running back room. Who's going to take you know some of the secondary reps? What does Ches Malusi have that you could look for? But I think the question that I want to know is when you need those critical yards to pick up uh, and move the move the ball, who's going to be the guy that you're turning and handing off to? Because you know the running back position, 
I do think Wisconsin will throw it a little bit more, but I think at the end of the day, you're still leaning on that run game pretty strong, and you need that that guy that's going to carry you um, in those big moments. So I don't necessarily know if it's who's going to be running back one, but I think the question that I'm looking for is who's the guy that the Paul Chris and Gary Brown are going to trust to to make those big plays when they need it. Yeah, I like that. I, I think that just really how how the carries are going to be divided up based off situations is going to be fascinating to see and, and definitely a major question mark. I mean, hell, will Jalen Berger get more than 15 carries in the game? <laughs> um, we haven't seen it yet. Um, but but I think for me the question mark is, is Braylon Allen. Like, what do mm-hmm. the Badgers have in this kid? True freshman coming on. He was the talk of media days. You heard it. You know, everybody was asking about him. People were talking about him. The Wolf at Big Ten media days as well as um, the one, the Badgers specific one that you attended here. But he's a he's a wild card in this room. He's 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 a player that could be something completely different than what they have in the rest of that room. You look at you know size and weight and strength. He is completely different than anybody else. They have. He's got the pedigree. He's coming in with a lot of talent, a lot of fanfare. You know, pound for pound might be the strongest guy on the team at 17. Does he have a role in this room as a true freshman? And and what is that role if he does? Um, or is he, you know, this a one-year thing for them to test it out? They notice, hey, this kid's probably going to be better suited at linebacker. Let's go put him over there. Um, I think that he is, he, he might be one of the biggest questions of this entire team, right? Because he's He's such a fascinating prospect. I think right now, though, for me, that's the biggest question I have for this running back room beyond, like you mentioned, how those carries are going to be divided and when when you need those yards, who's going to be taking them. Yeah, I think that's a phenomenal point with Braylon. I mean, can you think of an incoming freshman that has had this much question and attention coming into Wisconsin? Because I was trying to rack my brain about that the other day um, after media days. It just seems like he's a guy that, you know, he's almost an enigma where it's just like, bro, there's you know, Braylon Allen, Braylon Allen, Braylon Allen. I mean, obviously a physical freak and, and an incredible player at just 17, but the amount of attention that he's got is something I don't think we've seen for Wisconsin football for an incoming Maybe freshman in quite some Yeah, yeah, I guess that's a great point. That's probably the the guy, but it just seems like Braylon Allen has just taken that to a whole nother level, and all of a sudden you, you're expecting and, and hoping to see what he can do, and I think that's a, a fascinating question for sure at the running back side. Yeah, and, and and I will say that like when when I think back to Mertz, like just talking recently, there's been other freshmen that have come in, like Jonathan Taylor, especially when you saw some of those late things, like that was that was uh, somebody who got a lot of attention. But but Braylon Allen, it's a lot of times media like there's questions being asked, and with Mertz, it was mostly media asking questions, right? Like it wasn't something where Paul Christ was was talking about it or Jim Leonard was talking about it. With a lot of this stuff with Brandon Allen, it's coming off off completely out of nowhere from players and from coaches where they're just like bringing up his name without somebody else doing it. So I think that's something that really just adds some intrigue to me at least. I think so as well. It'll be a, a fascinating storyline to pay attention to because if he pans out in the running back room and they want to keep him there, you know, does he all of a sudden develop a role and, and get some of these carries? I think if he's there and and shows that he's got the abilities to, it'd be – it'd be hard to not give him some carries because he's just, like you mentioned, does so much different than the rest of the guys in that room. I mean, right now they're, they've got a, each, each guy that they've got is, is really does something different. I think Chaz Malusi is the guy that maybe does it all, but Jalen Berger does certain things. Well, Braylon Allen just brings a whole other aspect. So if you've got it, you need that batting around. 
Uh, I think he could be a guy that certainly develops into that situation. All right, we'd be repressed if we didn't talk about the fullback room, so why don't we go ahead and hop over there. Uh, of course, you've got an established starter in John Chanel. I don't know if there's a ton of questions there with him, uh, but what are you looking for in this fullback room? I got a couple different questions, but but I think for me the the big thing is who's number three. So like Wisconsin usually has a few fullbacks lined up. Um, you've got Quan Easterling as a as a solid backup who has seen some time. He saw time in 2019 as a as a freshman, um, and and I think they really like what they see in him and what he can bring his versatility in his game. But but you don't look across that roster and there's nobody at fullback. And I think they they have guys that they would probably move there. I think there's a few tight ends um, that that when you look at height and weights could probably easily shift over there, learn the position and and help out, uh, especially some of the younger guys as a way to see the field. But then but then are they trying to groom somebody else there? I or maybe mid fall camp or late in fall camp do they move somebody there because you're eventually going to need another fullback next season, and I would think you'd want to get some, some movement on that um, so they get some development. So that's that's my question is, do they give some reps to somebody mid-fall camp, late-fall camp as, as a fullback to kind of round out that position? You look at there's so many running backs on this roster, um, so many linebackers on this roster. Who makes that transition in the hopes of seeing further playing time um, earlier in their career, because that's usually how the fullback position goes. Is there? It's usually a, a way to get a talented player on the field that's maybe buried at a different position. Yeah, I think that's the the fascinating aspect of the fullback room. I mean, it's 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 maybe not a huge pressing question for this season, but I think in the future it's something that you're going to want to to pay attention to because, like you mentioned, there's not you know there's not a plethora of fullbacks on the roster that you can see easily stepping into that role. And usually Wisconsin wants to have at least two that they're comfortable with. So it's going to be interesting to see. I, I would think it's going to come with with somebody on that roster already is going to make that happen. So um, for me, I think that's really the big pressing question of the fullback room is who who's next, who maybe gets into those reps and develops into that room for sure. All right, why don't we go ahead and we'll keep going with the skill positions. We'll head over to the wide receiver room. And I think for me, in terms of question that we're looking for, uh, you you mentioned number three uh, in the fullback room. For me, I, I think the same question could be added for the wide receiver room as who's going to be that third passing option and, and a guy that that they think they can really rely on. I know in his media presser, uh, Graham Mertz talked about Shimray DK. He's a guy that he thinks could take on a really big role. It sounds like they have a really good connection. So maybe another question that kind of layers off of that is could Shimray DK eventually blossom into a, a number two option, it, could he hop up to, the, you know, a, a good, if they have that good a relationship and a repertoire going forward, could he be a guy that's, you know, one of your top two receivers and, and really making a difference? Is there a guy like A.J. Abbott, who sounds like he had a good offseason and a, a good spring, is he going to take on that role? So I think you, you feel good about the guys you have at the top, um, but there's also injury concerns. So you really want to have that third and fourth receiver that I, I think you, you feel comfortable that well, comfortable with. So, who that is and, and who develops in that spot is, is probably the main question that I'm looking at. Yeah, I think the way that the the depth chart rounds out is going to be fascinating at the t- at the wide receiver position. Um, but for me, I'm just looking for, and I, I've talked about this a little bit when we when we discussed our latest episode. But it, who's going to be the difference maker, right? Like who mm-hmm. is going to be 
the player that other teams have to look at, circle, and know. we got to know where he is at all times because he can take the top off the defense. He can make the big catch when you need it. Um, I, I, I don't know. When I look at this room, there's, there's, you know, there's talent. There's, there's guys who have done some nice things before and some guys who have showed a little bit of um, brief ability last year. But is there a guy who can be an NFL-type wide receiver that, that teams fear? I don't know, and that's what I want to see from fall camp. The other thing is, and I think a couple guys who could eventually blossom into that are, can one of those freshmen make an impact right away? Skylar Bell, um, Marcus Allen, they've got the size to, to play immediately um, in the Big Ten, and are they ready to, with the playbook, are they able to go in there and make plays? Because we saw Danny Davis make an impact as a freshman, and, and he doesn't have nearly the measurables um, as as, as uh, what these two are coming in with in terms of size. So I'm, I'm excited to see what they can do if one of them can get involved early because Marcus Allen, I think, is going to be a difference maker down the line, especially if he can stay healthy and can, you know, absorb the playbook quickly. I think just his size and what he does at 6'2", you know, 215, two that, that's something you can't teach. Is, and I'm hoping that to see that him he can blossom into something really solid for the Badgers. Yeah, for sure. I think the that's a great question to to add to that wide receiver room for sure is the is those young guys. They're so you know incoming freshmen for Wisconsin at that receiver position have not always been guys that are out there early. But I think both of these two, when you've seen the recruitment, you know, get to higher levels, you've seen the guys that are able to take on a, a position and some playing time earlier um, than you usually see. So I think both of those guys are a fascinating storyline to pay attention to as you move forward. All right, speaking of wide receiver, I think another important position is, of course, the tight end room. You've got a, a really strong pass catcher, do-it-all guy in Jake Ferguson, but you've got some other guys around him that will certainly be you're pressing some questions as well. What are you looking for in the tight end room that you hope will be answered? So I, I think who emerges as the, the next um, H-back or pass-catching threat out of this group? You've got a lot of different players who – We've heard positive things about, right? Like Clay Cundiff, Jack Eschenbach, who we're both like fanboys of, and then Jalen Franklin, who I I still just am hoping that he can make a big step. Which of those three? And, and there's other guys like Jack Pugh is a is a freshman who's coming in who who hopefully could could take some nice steps, but I just don't know if he, it's going to be this fall, right? Because it's really hard to to do that as a true freshman of the tight end position, given all the nuances of it, and he hasn't played a ton of football. Um, in high school, uh, you, you've got other guys who could potentially make waves. But I think those three, which one of those is going to be able to come in? And, and they're not going to get 30 receptions this year. I just don't see that happening. But which one of those guys can can help this team out as a pass-catching threat? Because I do think that Rucci is going to be more of an inline blocker. But can one of these guys develop and really help out this defense as another bigger threat over the middle? Yeah, I think that's a, a fascinating part of the conversation with this room because I think you look at Wisconsin, you've got, like I said, a, a very much established star player in, in a lot of ways. Probably if you look at the pat, if you're looking for a guy that that makes a huge difference, he's probably your number one option in Jake Ferguson in that way, and, and he can do a little bit of all. He's really developed as a blocker as well, so he's going to be out there a lot. But beyond that. You've got guys that I think you really like in in the, in Rucci and Eschenbach, Clay Condup, everything like that. But you you want to see a little bit more 
from each of them. I, you know, Jalen Franklin as well. Athletic guy, probably needs to take on the rest of the playbook, develop really well. Rucci is a guy that in line, can he make a difference as a pass catcher? I know uh, Mickey Turner talked about that um, in the audio that we got, that they like what they've seen from him as growing as a pass catcher, but maybe he still needs to take that next step. So I think the whole tight end room is, is fascinating because you think of tight ends of years past for Wisconsin, you've always had that the top guy, but a lot of the times you had a tight end that was in the works and in the wings, your number two tight end that you felt good about. So I think for me that's a, a really important question that we're looking to have answered is is who takes on that step and then next year when you're looking at is ready to be that tight end guy that, that really makes a difference, whether it be in the passing game or the, the blocking game or both. Yeah, I, I think that's just the big thing for this tight end room is is the future, right? Because you've got Jake Ferguson. I think it's fascinating to see what kind of gaudy numbers he could put up this year if the wide receiver position stays healthy. But but I really do think that that next wave is, is going to be fascinating. All right, let's move on to the offensive line room here. Of course, a, a very important position that you, you've got uh, a ton of questions, I think, right now going into um, this fall camp what are you looking for mainly in the offensive line room because I think there's so many different positions and and ways you could go about the questions that you want answered yeah so my question is I think that for the most part your your top five are are pretty set and then I think Joe Rudolph likes what he has there Um, I think the the question about how does Logan Brown fit in here five-star kid I think that's a major one that fans are going to want to talk about or be have questions about but but for me it's another four-star kid and and a three-star kid out of high school and, and Joe Tippman and Cormac Sampson those guys are both healthy um this fall Tippman missed all of last spring missed all of last year for at least most of it can one of those guys compete and and you know put up a fight to maybe take over that left guard job um we've seen Rudolph be willing to to kind of uh rotate guys at Along the offensive line, if he thinks that both players are deserving of playing time, I think Cormac Sampson has, is definitely a guy that they've been high on, can play center, play guard. Joe Tittman, center or guard. I think both those players are have huge plans in their future about being on this field next season, whether it be at left guard or center, which I think that's what it's going to look like. If one of those two is at center, one of them is at left guard next year. Um can one of them push and get some playing time this year and rotate in with Josh Seltzner at left guard? I think it's going to be fascinating to see because both of them, highly regarded prospects, both have seen the field um, in limited fashion. Samson a little bit more, but Tipman is a guy that right away as a freshman was getting reps as the backup center before he, he got hurt. So I think that can one of those two compete for some time at the left guard is, is my biggest question for fall camp. Yeah, I think in a similar regard, because I think that's the one question, that's the one, if you look at, you know, Joe Rudolph mentioned coming into uh, fall that he was going to start with the same five that he had in the spring, but there was a lot of guys that were pushing for reps. Uh, the guys you mentioned in uh, Joe Tipman and Cormac Sampson, Logan Brown, were all guys that it sounded like they were going to push for reps, and, and they weren't that far off. So, of course, you've got the five, but will that, I think the question for me is, will that five that you go into camp, be the same five that start uh, against Penn State on September 4th. Because I, I think with college football coaches, you're probably looking at, you know, sometimes you go into the first week, and if it's, say, you know, uh, Eastern Michigan's the week two game, I think if that was week one, you could go in and you say, okay, 
let's go with these five. Hopefully the game you know gets in hand. We can rotate in these guys, and, and we can see live game action of, of where we want to go once we get into you know the Big Ten schedule and, and moving forward so we can have the five guys we feel good about. And you know Drew, Joe Rudolph wants to be his best five out there. And, and then you've got a couple others that you feel like you can rotate in. But that situation – gets a little bit pressed when you are opening it with a Big Ten game against Penn State, uh, against a team that you is going to be a competitive game. So you've got to have your five best five out there. So how that five changes maybe from where they're at right now and what they're starting with to September 4th, as long as they're ready to go, is going to be fascinating. And, and what you mentioned, the rotation there at that left guard spot, is probably the one that you see that could maybe move. And, of course, you, we talked about it in the beginning – Tyler Beach may be a little bit banged up. Hopefully that's nothing, but you want to have that left side you know, solidified, and, and the left guard spot could be the one that is maybe the one most likely to be moved around. Yeah, I completely agree with you on that. All right, to round things out, we're going to do some of our special teams with the offense and some with the defense. So we'll talk about the kick and punt return units. I think – the main question for me in both of in both of these spots, really, uh, of course, you saw Devin Chandler a little bit last year give you some production, but can they get something from both the return packages, whether it be kick return and punt return? Because the last few years, you really haven't seen a whole lot. Um, I think back to you know punt return, Nick Nelson was the last one that you actually felt maybe gave you a little bit in the punt return game. Kick return, it's been a little bit. Um, and, and special teams as a whole just kind of struggled for Wisconsin. It's, you just haven't really got much from either spot in, in the return game. So for me, I think the main question is which guy is it going to be and can they get some sort of production to hopefully elevate uh, a team and really put their offense in some really good positions? How about yourself? Yeah, I think that's that makes a ton of sense. I think that's a, a, you know, a major point, especially since Aaron Crickshank transferred. I mean, I think he was a guy who brought some uh, a dynamic ability to that kickoff return. Um, Jack Dunbrid pretty good um, when he was returning punts in, in 2019. Um, Danny Davis did some nice things back there. Dean Ingram didn't do a whole lot last year, but he kind of handled punts last season. Does a guy like, for me, the question is, does a guy like Isaac Garendo or Stephen Bracey, can, can one of them kind of steal that kickoff return role from Devin Chandler? I think Chandler's probably got the inside path. But if Isaac Rendo isn't one of your top three running backs, which I think as of right now he probably is, but if he isn't, do you try to find a way to get the ball in his hands as, as a kick returner? Um, or is Devin Chandler just your guy after having a pretty nice bowl performance? Um, so really it's just who is going to be the guy at each of those positions. Um, and, and really I, I do think it will be Jack Dunn at punt return. Um, but I think the bigger question is that, is that kickoff return, at least in my eyes, um, because Chandler did some nice things, like you mentioned. But I do think that Isaac Rendo brings some speed that you don't necessarily always see. And if he's not going to have a huge role in the offense, even as a third-string running back, you're, you can still probably give him carries as a as a kickoff guy. Um, we saw what he could do against uh, Minnesota back in 2019. Maybe he gets a shot. So does he mix things up in that room um, is my question. Yeah, I think that's a great point as well. You look at you, – you need something from both of those spots. I mean, it just – when you have a really strong special team, it can win you games, and it, as we've seen before, uh, it can put you in some, some tough situations and lose you games as well. So Wisconsin certainly wants to clean that up as a whole, and I think that would give them a, a big spark to have somebody back there, um, whether it be Isaac Rendo or Jack Dunn or any of those guys, to, to give you – 
um, some added production to, to put you in some positive field position going forward. All right, guys, that wraps up the offensive questions that we're looking for uh, as practice continues to roll on. Hopefully get some answers to these questions. Um, and, of course, we'll do the defensive side of the football in our episode later in the week. As always, thank you guys for listening on Wisconsin.